Having a gratitude practice is often touted as one of the most powerful ways you can walk through your life a little bit happier. But the truth is developing a gratitude practice is challenging. We're fighting against some of our natural wiring. We are trying to regroove some of our habitual thought patterns, and we're trying to create something new. Today on the Weekly Walk Podcast, Eric and I are going to talk a little bit about why gratitude is so powerful, why a gratitude practice can be so challenging, but then we're going to get tactical with several different actual ways that you can try to start building your own gratitude practice. So if that's something you would like to do more of, lace up your sneakers and let's get going. Welcome to the Weekly Walk Podcast, the perfect podcast to take with you on a 30-minute walk. I'm Joyce, the pack leader here at 99 Walks, and each week, my husband and co-founder, Eric, and I explore tools, tactics, research, and random stories to help you keep moving forward and creating a life you love. So you know what happened to me last night? What happened to you last night? I got woken up at like 3. Three? What woke you up at three? Three in the morning. That's terrible. You know, I, I Well you don't it. you don't sleep all that well. Yeah. Many days. But something happened and it woke me up. But you know what? What? I'm so grateful for what woke me up at three. What woke you up at three? It certainly wasn't me. <laughs> yes, it was. No, it wasn't because I rolled in at three thirty. Three thirty. You getting back from your trip. I was so happy to be woken up. I was I was grateful. You were grateful to be awoken in the middle of the night. It was a long day yesterday, that's for sure. You you had a very long day. Do you it know was what like I, Joyce Shulman in the very long, stressful, no good day. day. Do you want to hear what happened to me yesterday, why I was so late and why what I'm grateful for? Yes. So you know how most people tweet at airlines all of their anger? Like I once started, tried to start a hashtag, American Airlines is mean. <laughs> you know, can, can just to digress, like I've discovered or learned that that's the only thing I use Twitter for is just to express displeasure. And I don't think it's good. It's definitely not good. Well, But it's the only thing I tweet these days. That, no, that is the antithesis of what we're supposed to be talking about today. Uh, so I'm putting uh, that out there. That's a what not to do, people. What not to do. Well, I tweeted at JetBlue my gratitude for leaving us stuck in the Salt Lake City airport for three and a half hours. Do you know why I was grateful? Why were you grateful? Because apparently, as we were taxiing to the runway to take off, a big piece of green bubble wrap got sucked into the engine. And someone on the tarmac, one of the people who works there, saw it, and they stopped the flight, and they brought the plane back, and they spent three and a half hours removing the bubble wrap and examining the engine. And did the engine work? Yes, the engine. <laughs> the pilot came on, and he said uh, maintenance has... Uh, both Salt Lake City ground maintenance, New York ground maintenance, and the entire JetBlue flight crew has examined the plane and the engine, and everybody feels 100% confident. Let's go. Well, that's good. I know. I was very grateful. Uh, and the team there was great. But there are two ways to look Wait, at this. Wait, what, what about Ron? Ron, the gate agent. 
Go, Ron. I, really, they handled a difficult situation really well. So there were two ways I could have looked at last night. And I got to tell you, as I was driving home from the airport at 2.30 in the morning, I was not feeling super grateful. Like it took a little bit <laughs> of effort. But when I woke up this morning in my own bed, I am deeply grateful for a team that did the right thing and didn't take any kind of risk with our safety. So Today's podcast is sponsored by JetBlue, the airline to be grateful for. You know, you can be, I could, I could make two choices here. I could have been really aggravated and frustrated and angry that my plans got so disrupted and I got home so very, very late. Or I could be grateful that I'm here safe and sound. You know, I have to say you were on a trip that was really good in some ways, but stressful for you in others. I know how badly you wanted to get home. I really wanted to get home. I know you were kind of tired and I think you dug deep and should be really proud of yourself for being able to have looked at this with an attitude of gratitude, even in the middle of it. And I, I think that's quite an accomplishment. Well, thank you. I, truthfully, I don't feel like I had a lot of options. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose I did have options as to how I dealt with it. Uh, when in trouble, when in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. Isn't that our family motto? <laughs> One of our many family mottos. So today it is about gratitude. And we're going to chat for a couple of minutes about how powerful gratitude is. We're going to chat for just a couple of minutes about why gratitude is sometimes challenging. But what I really want to talk about, Eric, if it's cool with you, is let's get tactical. I feel like Oh, people have been told over and over again the power of gratitude, have a gratitude practice. But I want to talk about a few different ways to actually do that. All right. Before we jump into that, can I just say one of my favorite quotes? And the reason that I'm saying this, and I probably said it at least three or four times in our podcast, is I actually found it and I've butchered it so badly every time I've tried to quote it. So I have the actual quote here. And this is from David Steindelrost, a German monk, and this is from his TED Talk. But the actual quote is, it's not happiness that makes us grateful, but gratefulness that makes us happy. And I just love that. That's just so powerful. So with that in mind, yes, let's, let's get tactical, as Olivia Newton-John would sing. Let's get tactical. <laughs> No. <laughs> a little a little homage to <laughs> Olivia Newton-John yes. butchering her famous quote. Yes. Well, let's talk about just for a couple of minutes why is it that gratitude is so powerful? I mean, you talked about that quote, but how does that work? I think in a nutshell because it focuses on what we have and where we are as opposed to what we don't have and where we aren't. It really brings us into the present moment. I, I agree. And there are, especially in our world today, 
there are so many things that we could want because we're being bombarded with all of the things that we are being sold. And I don't even just necessarily mean sold the goods, but sold the desire. Yeah, I got two words for you. What? Black Friday. <laughs> right? Black Friday. And then as you head into January, it's all of the, these are the things that you must have in order to be whatever, fill in that blank. And I think that's part of it. And being grateful, to your point, I kind of rewires or having an actual gratitude practice kind of rewires our brains a little bit to focus on the things that we have. So our brains like ruts and routines and our, our habitual ways of thinking can get kind of ingrained. But apparently research shows that we can change that habitual thinking. Yeah, I think the first thing that that comes to my mind is having like a gratitude mantra. I'm grateful for this. Uh, before before we get into that, can we talk for a few minutes about why it's hard to build this gratitude practice? Absolutely. I, I want to talk a, a little bit about some of the forces that we need a more formal practice to overcome, if that makes sense. Sure. Because uh, again, I feel like we're being told by a lot of media, and maybe this is another thing we're being told, right? You need a gratitude practice. Go get a gratitude practice. Practice gratitude. But it's not that, it's not that easy because we've got some headwinds starting with our negativity bias. Yes, what is it? We see nine negative things for every one positive, or we need nine positive things to counteract the one negative, right? We're so skewed towards a negative negativity bias, which is was essential for our survival thousands of years ago. Yeah, you got to pay a whole lot more attention to the saber-toothed tiger than you do to the berries on the bush. Yes, or that beautiful sunset, because if you pay attention to the beautiful sunset, the saber-toothed tiger is going to eat you. Oh, I love that. That's exactly right. That's much better than the berries on the bush. If you stop paying attention to the risks and focus on the sunset, your risk goes up. It's, it's like Lion King. Scurry, sniff, flinch. <laughs> That was the meerkats, right? Exactly. Everything was a threat to them. Everything was a threat to them. And we have some of that still buried deep in us. I, not so deep, or I guess deep in the fact that it actually controls us outwardly. So we're, we're pushing back against our negativity bias by trying to focus on the positive. We also have some habits, as I alluded to earlier. That negativity bias then creates thinking patterns that become habits. And I feel like we think and talk and read a lot about habits, outward habits, right? Take the walk, eat the healthy food, the different kind, develop a walking habit. But I don't think we spend a lot of time talking about thought habits. I think we spend a fair bit of time talking about my thought habits and maybe how they're not the best and how I'm working on them. But I, I agree, the thought habits, the self-talk, all those things just 
yeah. But they're like grooves in our brain. They're like record grooves and we can make some changes and a, an actual gratitude practice starts to make adjustments to that habitual thinking. Can I go way off the rails here for just a second? Oh, we never do that, so no. <laughs> I was talking to someone this summer and by no means am I a doctor, by no means am I recommending this at all. This was just a conversation. But they were talking about ketamine treatments, which is this drug that people are taking for psychological reasons. And my friend was saying, the way he described it was, imagine your brain is a hill with snow on it. And you take a a sled and go down. And then what happens? You take that sled, you go down that same path. And maybe you make a new path, but you stay in those paths. And those paths get deeper and deeper. And that's the way our brain works. And he was talking about ketamine, uh, saying that basically it smooths out the paths in your brain. And I found this just fascinating. And I think it speaks to a lot of what we talk about, that our brains make these grooves. And that being said, we can, with work, sled out of them and create new ones if there's a better or safer path. So think about it that way. If you're you're sledding down your brain, okay, you got to work a little bit. You got to lean, lean. If you're with someone, everybody lean left and get in that new groove. Build those new grooves. Though I have to say, uh, I think that analogy is is brilliant and the visualization of that I love. But the idea of taking ketamine and smoothing out all of the grooves in my brain just sounds terrifying. Oh, you know, yeah. Hor- some, horrifying. some of those paths, like I really like some of my paths. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you just pick and choose the ones you smooth out? I, I don't think so. I think it's clean slate. <laughs> all right. Well, that sounds terrifying. Yeah, but terrifying. the analogy of I really love that, actually. Of the snow Eric. grooves, right? Like the snow grooves and lean to the right. So a gratitude practice helps you lean to the right. (laughs) Okay. So some of the reasons why it's hard. Now, how in the world do you do it? (laughs) Do you lean? How do you lean into gratitude? And we, we have a bunch of things, some of which we have tried, some of which uh, we haven't tried, but I would like to. So why don't you go with what's worked for you? Well, pretty much, I want to say this was around, and maybe this is coincidence, but around the start of COVID, I started keeping a gratitude journal. Old school, pen and paper? Old school, pen and paper. And I probably kept it for pretty close to six months before I sort of fell out of the habit. But every day, Actually, usually every night I would write down one thing that I was grateful for. Sometimes it would be what happened during the day. I was grateful for warm soup at lunch because you pretty quickly, you, you use up family, kids, health, uh, those, all those, you know, my house, my dog. You run through all those things pretty quick. So you, you get down into the minutiae. But I was really able to come up with something pretty much every single day. So I want to circle back to the word minutia because 
I think there's value in the in gratitude for the little things. That's part of what retrains our brain to look for those moments of gratitude. So I do agree with you. You go quickly when you start a practice often. You start with those big things and then you start digging deeper or digging smaller. But I want to be clear, like there are days that I'm grateful for a cup of hot coffee. There are days that I'm grateful for the sound. I remember one day I put in my gra- my gratitude journal, I'm grateful for the sound of our daughter's laugh. Oh yeah, that's awesome. She's got a wonderful laugh. Uh, so much joy in that. So it is looking for those little moments. So I have to ask, of course, why did you fall out of that practice and what did you replace it with? Misery. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know that I replaced it. Well, do you, well let me ask I, it this me, way. Do you have a gratitude practice at the moment? I do not have a gratitude practice at the moment. But I, I think I, it really just helped me become more grateful in general. I, I think that practice uh, maybe leaned my sled to the left uh, and rewired a little groove. I think I'm more grateful in general, even though I'm not maintaining that practice. Now, I I do have some gratitude mantras sometimes that I'll pull out or a mantra or just saying in my head, I'm grateful for X, Y, Z. So. Uh, I too have a gratitude notebook. It's not actually a gratitude notebook because it's my uh, daily and weekly notebook. And I will try to capture certainly every Sunday I spend some time uh, when I'm doing my my Sunday morning planning. I spend some time on things that I'm grateful for that occurred during the prior week, wins, what went wells. Uh, I take this whole, if we look at it as as this grooves in the snow idea, it's also for me about looking for things that delight me, looking for things that went well. Uh, to your point, nine things that went well to overshadow one that didn't. So we've got our whole team at 99 Walks really focusing on what went well. We do it every Friday as a, t- as a group practice. So that's how we close out our week is to together share what went well. Uh, and then for several years, I used a gratitude app. So it was a very simple app. There are a bunch of them out there. And it would remind me. So I set the reminder piece. So it reminded me once a day to capture a, a, a something for which I'm grateful. I was going to say what went well, but it was really much more focused on gratitude. Yeah, there are a lot of those apps out there, right? Some of them are free. Some of them are simple. I like the apps that don't have that kind of app that doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles. I just want a place to capture, though this one let you add a a picture, an image. So that was fun too. I didn't do that all the time, but from time to time, include an image there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So again, rewiring, reforming that groove. I did read something, and we may have talked about this in the podcast, that daily might be too much, but sometimes once or twice a week is sort of the right time to rewire, reform that groove to to develop that practice. So you don't have to do it every day, but if you maybe set a reminder for 
Sundays and Thursdays. I I love my Sunday morning planning ritual so, so much. And among the things I do as part of that is I review the prior week, what went well. I capture three specific things for which I'm grateful and I plan the, the following week. And then there's my 11-11 alarm. <laughs> yeah, do you use that for gratitude? I tend to use that more for setting an, an intention, but it certainly would work for gratitude. I think it depends a little bit on what it, which groove, which snow path, what are we calling these sled paths, which sled path I am most desirous of trying to alter. So sometimes it's about setting an intention and staying on course and not getting pulled off by the whirlwind of the day. And sometimes what I want to try to re reimagine is my gratitude practice. So setting an alarm every morning for 11.11, <laughs> and it rings, and it reminds me to capture an intention. Uh, and I do that actually in the notes on my phone. So I have a, I have a note in my phone that says 11.11, and there's just an ongoing list of intention setting or gratitude, depending on you know, what I'm focused on. Well, that's interesting. So yeah, using the tools that you have, whether it's notes, your calendar, you could set a calendar reminder every day to pull a gratitude thought or whatever your uh, plan around being grateful was and just put it on your Google calendar. If you're like, me and I think you we live by those calendars, which is exactly why that would never work for me. Oh, so really? interesting. Oh, yeah, because my daily calendar has on average at least a dozen things on it, so it would just be it would just feel like one more thing. It for me, it kind of needs to stand alone. Uh, it yeah. is on my I have a a list of what I do for my Sunday practice so I don't have to think about it. So I just have a list of the five or six things I do in my Sunday morning practice. And gratitude uh, is one of them. What went well is one of them. But if I just put it on my Google calendar, it would get lost in the mess of my days, which is exactly the point. The point is what works for some people is not going to work for other people. And the magic here or the the whatever here is trying until you find something that works for you and being kind to yourself when you fall off the off the wagon I don't like that expression but yeah. when you uh, yeah yeah and and then some people are something as simple as writing it on the mirror every morning what do you use like dry erase markers for that or are there mirror markers so um, Sharpies, oil-based Sharpies actually work on glass, hmm. but now they make pens deliberately for this purpose. And I love this idea of every morning or every night just taking that pen and writing something for which you're grateful. And then it's just there for the day. And super easy to, if you use the right stuff, super easy. It doesn't mar or destroy or stay. Um, so get some of those pens and I, it's, that is so powerful. And then what's uh, another tip you could do is, is you could record a voice memo. Some people do that and just speak it into your memo voice recorder, right? In your phone. So 
I don't know about anybody else, but more and more of my friends are using voice memo to text me. So now I'm getting voicemails as text messages, which I got to say is not my favorite because I realize that I can scan text really quickly. Uh, and these voice memos, and people tend to go on. So if somebody's going to send you a text message, usually it's pretty short and concise. But if they're going to dictate a voice memo, they can go on. I've got one friend of mine. She goes on for like two and a half minutes. <laughs> so I don't know about that in that context. But the goal of this gratitude practice is to make it as simple as possible for each and every one of us to develop a practice that we can keep up with. So just sending yourself a little voice memo. Whenever I hear voice memos, or even if I just speak into my phone and record a voice memo, I think back to this totally obscure movie that no one's probably ever heard of, where Michael Keaton records, he has like a little tape recorder, and he records his thoughts, and at one point he records this brilliant idea he has, which is, Feed mayonnaise to tuna fish. That's <laughs> from Night Shift with Michael Keaton and Henry Winkler. The Fonz were in this movie that they were, Michael Keaton's just hysterical. That sort of goes so, on the list of movies we should rewatch. Yeah, yeah. So, A couple of those classic comedies. Gosh, I haven't seen Night Shift in probably since it came out. That's decades. That's many decades. And that, for some reason, never ends up on late night TV. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that on like late night tv but next rainy sunday let's make a bowl of popcorn and watch that we'll go down to blockbuster and get it yep. <laughs> <laughs> we could order the um the dvd from netflix they'll send it to us oh that's cool so convenient <laughs> and it even comes with the same envelope you can send it back in oh yeah I'm grateful that we have lived so long <laughs> so as to experience all these things. Another thing that never occurred to me to do, but I like the idea, it just requires a really special partnership or a little group, but I have a friend who has a gratitude practice with another friend, and every morning they text each other something for which they are grateful. And it provides a couple of things. You know, I'm all about the shared experience and I'm all about community. It provides that shared experience. It provides that accountability because one of the things that I think is not so great in our individual wiring is that we are more likely to show up for other people than we are to show up for ourselves. I don't think it should be that way, but it is that way. So a group, it's a group of three people and every morning they text one another something for which they are grateful. So what it does is it puts your, it keeps you on track for your gratitude practice, number one. Number two, it shares that with other people, which somehow makes it feel even more substantial. I bet it speeds up those new grooves in the brain. It reminds the other people to do it. And I just think that that's beautiful. And it sounds like a lot, but I'm in a routine, a habit, uh, whatever you want to call it. I text my dad every single morning. And it always starts, hi, daddy, happy Tuesday. Started happy Tuesday? What about when it's Wednesday? I don't, 
I will. Hi, Daddy. <laughs> Happy fill in the blank of the day. And then uh... I tell him a little bit about what's going on and what's happening with the kids because, of course, he loves that. So I, it's, I, I don't know too many people who do this with others, but I love it so much. That's pretty cool. We should create an app that's a gratitude app for groups of three. Oh, my gosh. Nobody. Hey, anybody out there listening, don't create that app. It's our idea. So my idea. How does that uh, how is that better than a text message? It's an app. (laughs) (laughs) So so that's such an interesting thing. Like in my mind, this shared gratitude practice would be something that you do with a dear friend. But what if it wasn't? What if you shared your gratitude with two other strangers with whom you were partnered in some way? So That's weird. The app could also send you a reminder, which a text wouldn't, like if you forgot or if all three of you didn't do it yet, it would send a reminder saying text what you're grateful for. And then it could automatically pop little messages up like, a year ago today, you were grateful for your spaghetti dinner. All right. Let's get right on that. Because <laughs> that's what we need is a new app and a new business. There you go. All right. But wait, what's a, what's a word, uh, like a good word for three? Like we could call it gratitude trilogy. Trilitude. <laughs> <laughs> not, not my best work. Trilitude. Trilitude. I don't know. It's kind of funny. (laughs) So the moral of the story, I have two morals of the story, maybe three. Number one is creating a gratitude practice, a, a true practice, something you do on the regular consistently has profound value for how you see the world. The second is you're going to have to try a bunch of different things probably to find something that sticks. So, you know, I I remember when you were doing your nightly gratitude practice, and I love the idea of a nightly gratitude practice. It seems to me that capturing something for which you're grateful right before you go to sleep seems like the most brilliant way to rewire your brain. And I have tried that so many times, and I am worthless at night. Like by the time I get into bed, the last thing I want to do is pick up even a pen and a piece of a scrap of paper. Like I just can't do it at night, but I want to. My point is what works for some won't work for others. And you have to keep trying until you find what works. And maybe what works for you is trilitude. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get right on that.